Wave 3 News troubleshooters John Bowl and Natalia Martinez take you behind the investigation. Right now on Wave 3 News Now. to another Troubleshooter podcast. I'm here with my counterpart, John Bowl, with all of his sometimes crazy investigations. You've got a really good one to share with us today. Yeah, we're going to get into the subject about the topic that is uh, the number one complaint that I get in the Troubleshooter department, and that is there's a drug house in my neighborhood. I've called police a million times. I've called the city. Nobody's doing anything about it. Can you please do something about it? I've been doing these kinds of stories for more than 10 years. How has it changed during that time? Uh, it really hasn't changed. They're, they're, I would like to say that uh, they're getting more slick, uh, more covert. They're not. It's mm-hmm. brazen. It's, as a matter of fact, they're getting sloppier over the years. More and they're brazen. Sti- and they're still not getting caught. Right. It's very bizarre. Well, that's, I think, part of the story that jumps out at me the most. Um, Tell us what, after you got those calls, you decide to go out there. Tell us what you do from there. Okay, so what I do is when I get a complaint, I go out. uh, I have an unmarked vehicle. Sometimes I use my own vehicle. And uh, I go out and I just, uh, I lay low, park far away, and watch to see if there really is indeed something going on. Sometimes there is. Sometimes it literally takes me 30 seconds to tell this is a flourishing wild drug house. So one of the ones I did recently in this past year, uh, a guy came out and OD'd and had a seizure right there on the sidewalk. So I was like, wow, I guess this tip is correct. That was an incredible yeah. video. So uh, I, I check it out, and then, then I have to develop a plan because there's a lot more when it comes to surveillance than meets the eye. Like, um, you got to kind of be a chameleon. I have to, you can't, you can't sit in a car and run the air conditioning or the heater in the winter Right, because you'll stand out. People will know what you're doing. So, and people know exactly what right. goes on in these neighborhoods. Right, and you, there are there are families that sit right out on the front porch, and uh, you can't be in front of them because they'll obviously they're looking around. They they know you know that something's going on. So you have to kind of be a chameleon. Uh, a lot of times I'll come in and I'll dress down uh, like in the in the summer. I'll wear shorts and a and a cut off shirt or a tank mm-hmm. top. Uh, <laughs> crack the windows. And uh, wear the same color clothing as the interior of my car. And, and I've been largely successful over the years doing that because people can literally walk right up and not really notice that, that you're in the car. So, but here's a question, though. I see you at, at times, you know, you're in these areas where, unfortunately, there's a lot of violence that goes on yeah. um, in some of the most drug-infused um, neighborhoods. And then there's parts where you go out and you start talking to people. And I'm always watching this thinking, oh, my gosh, you're a brave man. Well, there's a new um, corporate policy here that I have to have bodyguards with me now in 2021 when I go. And the piece we're about to show you here that I did most recently on this subject, uh, we had bodyguards with us. But, no, I don't – aside from walking up last year – I timed it out so we walked out right when a deal, right when the supplier was supplying the drugs to the house for the money. I I knew the pattern and how that was going. Aside from that time when I was scared, I'm usually not scared. 
And I, I don't know why. I don't know why. I To tell you the truth, we were talking about this in the newsroom the other night. I'm almost more scared now going to Walmart in Middletown mm. with the carjackings going on right. than I am doing something like this. Because, you know, it's the power of the camera. The people usually turn and run. Uh, they don't really feel threatened. They feel freaked out. So I, I don't feel like it's a dangerous situation, but it probably is. Well, it certainly seems that way, especially, you know, when we're watching. We, you know, we both have different styles of investigative yeah. reporting. I will, there's no stone unturned um, in my investigations, but I will not do what you do because um, I just think it's so dangerous. Well, let's give people a, a taste of what we're talking about here. We're going to show you my most recent drug house surveillance. Actually, I started out on this story. Uh, with a focus of, I, I got some complaints from some moms of overdose victims saying, you know, we, we see the press conferences on TV, the prosecutors vow to start prosecuting drug overdose deaths, prosecuting the dealer. And I got looking into this and finding that um, that was not happening. Uh, and this particular house that we focus on mostly in this story uh, is a good example of where somebody died and where nothing was done. Let's okay, watch. Let's watch. The photos fail to foreshadow the finish. Sunday, I started crying and I cried till Tuesday. I mean, it's just, just hard. The text to mom reveals so much more. Somewhere I lost my fight. I'm trying to find it again. I just needed to get away from me, but I was always there. She really tried, she, she tried to get better. From nurse on college scholarship to patient at treatment centers, Tommy Lilpop was one of two drug overdose deaths the same night at the Greenwood Red Carpet Inn. Police told her mother that her boyfriend continued doing drugs for days next to Tommy's decomposing body. So she was cremated without me ever seeing her. Kathy Lowe begged police to file homicide charges against the repeat offending dealer who could be traced through Tommy's phone. He kept trying to tell me that there was no such charge in Indiana for dealing a controlled substance, a controlled substance that results in a death. And then got mad at me because I said, well, yes, there is. It's Indiana Code 3542-1-1.5. And he got mad and he started screaming at me that my daughter was just a drug addict that he didn't have to do nothing for me, and he certainly didn't have to do nothing for her. Same kind of story for the mother of Robert Gibson, who died of a drug overdose. Too afraid to do an interview, she insists the people who sold her son the fatal dose are still dealing drugs at 27th and Slevin in Louisville. She says she couldn't get police to do anything about it, so she called me. I went undercover and recorded as many as 10 people per hour on bikes or on foot, going in, spending a few minutes inside, then coming out. And cars pulling up waiting for this man to come out. Something happens through the window, and then cars take off, over and over. One of the people living here is Robert Smothers, charged in 2013 with trafficking marijuana and possessing cocaine. 2015, trafficking heroin and engaging in an organized criminal syndicate. 2017, trafficking methamphetamine. And in 2018, sentenced to two and a half years in prison. I'm John Bull with Wave 3. Do you know a Robert Gibson? I went back to the house with a visible camera this time. I'm going to be honest with you, okay? Yeah. Robbie was my friend. Looks like to me right. a bunch of drug addicts. I love here, Robbie. Not anything okay? else. And, and it hurt me bad, okay? He didn't get his drugs here. And ain't nobody going to want to come here and get their drugs. Like, I like because Robbie. they ain't, you know, we do, we do drugs. We don't 
We don't sell I drugs. Just got you okay. do drugs, you don't sell drugs. Yes. What drugs do you guys do? It doesn't matter. It's none of your business. You uh, said you do drugs. So I'm just but following it's none up of your business what we do. I've also been watching the house here, uh, okay. undercover, just watching. And, and up to 10 people an hour coming and going, is spending that, a couple minutes wrong? inside. Is that wrong to that have bull if 10 people, it don't matter if we got 100 people a day coming to our house. Turns out my camera wasn't the only one on this home. See, this lady's had a camera facing our house because we've been harassed. Whatever, Do they you think know? This, the drug dealing's going on here too? Well, you know, drug dealing goes on, you know, everywhere in Portland. It appears to be a good time to sell drugs in Louisville. Data from LMPD shows a steady decline in all drug trafficking arrests since 2018. Cocaine, heroin meth trafficking arrests, all plummeting each year. In fact, there hasn't been a first offense heroin dealing arrest for years. Yeah. Have y'all ever thought about how the heroin and stuff gets down here? Because I've never went in a house and someone said, I'm making a batch of heroin today, okay? But we've got plenty of it down here. The problem is, is I have to be able to show that it was your particular drug that precipitated that particular death. This is the man in charge of the DEA's Louisville Division, overseeing operations in three states. He says from April 2020 to April of 2021, there were 188 drug overdose deaths just in Louisville, an average of one every two days. He insists they are prosecuting overdose deaths as homicides. Since 2017, the DEA's heroin investigation team has reviewed 435 overdose cases, initiating 27 investigations and prosecuting 46 people. Many of them, unfortunately, just the evidence isn't there. I mean, that's what it comes down to. These are criminal investigations and federal prosecutions. You have to have the evidence. It takes time to get it, and sometimes no matter what you do, it just isn't there. Back at 27th and Slevin, they think police and prosecutors have their priorities messed up, as they, they told her. They drug dealers. They give them life, and then the child molesters and all that, they get probation. You're allowed but to rape kids, but don't house. sell drugs. Wow, that's, some, uh, inc that's an incredible interview. I, they literally said, we do drugs. We don't yeah. sell drugs. And the reason why I selected that story and this topic for this podcast is because just Monday, my original tipster on the story told me there's been another drug overdose at 311 North 27th, which is the home in this story. And I checked with the coroner's office, and sure enough, there was another drug overdose there at that uh, home that resulted in death this week. Okay, so, you know, we've lost so many people to drug overdoses. It leads to so much crime. Why is this happening? Who's, who's, what's... I, you know what I think? I've been doing stories about for the past year on, on brazen activity and, and police even visiting and not doing anything about it. And I didn't put two and two together until you saw at the end of that report, that open records request about... I, where I asked for all of the um, uh, drug dealing arrests in all the categories for the last several years, mm -hmm. it's gone down to nothing. It's like LMPD gave up the fight mm -hmm. of arresting drug dealers. And I mean, to not have a first offense heroin dealing arrest in the city for years is amazing to me. Especially when we're battling such a big drug problem right. here. With yeah. heroin. Specifically. Yeah, particularly. Right. So we heard the person from the DEA, um, he's got a big area, you said. Three that states. He, right, yeah. that he has Three, to. Three, four states, yeah. So are the resources even there? And we could say the same thing for LMPD. It's just, I see I see his point because it is it is a difficult prove. Um, one of the questions I asked him was, I said, I'm going to be a devil's advocate here, and how do you, how do you prosecute and convict a drug dealer 
for selling a drug to someone who came to you wanting it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like it's a person with an addiction coming and wanting it and paying the proper price according to their deal and going away with it, even though it's illegal and it's illegal to use as well. Even possession of heroin is a felony, but it just seems a little bit off to me. And I, you know, I come from the addiction perspective. I, I, I suffer from the disease of addiction. But he said, you know, we, 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 it's still a crime to do it. We, we pursue the cases when we can, but it's hard to put the case together with the phones and all that. However, the first mom you heard in that story, the police in her jurisdiction didn't even know that there was That's the amazing. ability to prosecute. And imagine the pain of that mother to lose a child yeah. and then also to know that or to think that there's nothing, there's no recourse, there's no justice right. for her, you know. I and, feel so sad for her. But to your point that it's uh, really difficult to maybe prosecute these cases, um, are prosecutors even willing to take them? Because, you know, we have, um, and this is what I've, you know, heard from a lot of the officers here, that increasingly it's become difficult to get prosecutors to prosecute a case. If there's not enough evidence there, they're not even going to charge it. Right. Well, that's why the feds, what was it, 40 some, 46 cases in the last few years. I mean, they're they're trying, but they can't keep up with, I mean, look at the OD numbers. I mean, it would be impossible. Mm -hmm. What are we averaging? uh, One every three days uh, or one every two days, I think, and just in Jefferson County right now, overdose Mm -hmm. deaths. That's incredible. Um, So did you take this information to LMPD? I know you have in other stories where they yes, told you. I've taken this issue to LMPD, and the, and the two biggest reasons they have told me um, that they that the, the numbers are are off is that uh, the the people are just turned out. I mean, the people are just turned right back out on the streets. That's so sort of the justice system blame angle, and then that their resources are so depleted in the stories you've done. Um, there aren't even enough guys. Remember in the old days, they used to have the Ninth Mobile Unit, right? That and, got and, and right, so they're just having trouble. Patrolling the streets with the proper numbers is what they've told us. Yeah, and what they're trying to do now, they have what's called the criminal interdiction unit, um, and they're trying to do what's called like intelligent or use the intelligence that they gather to go after bigger drug dealers. But you had a story, I remember, where um, you know you had that video of the man that was ODing on the sidewalk there, and then police walked. Walked by. Right. Went right up to the street and they they somehow got him in the house and then they just took off on their way. Right. So where do you think um, in five years after, you know, having covered this for so many years, where do you think in five years we're going to be? Is it going to be worse? Is it going to be Well, I think some big decisions have to be made about the war on drugs. You know what I mean? Um, They have to make some decisions on how hard they're going to go after it or are they just going to lay off and wave the white flag like Louisville appears to have done. Mm-hmm. Well, one last question. Um, you know, that, that mom there said that the prosecutor was like, you know, there, there is no such law. And to your point about how difficult it is to sometimes prosecute these cases, the person, you, if the drug dealer's not with the person, how can they prove that? They do it largely through text messages. They get the phones mm-hmm. and they get it largely through text messages. In the case of the Indiana case there up in the Greenwood Motel, uh, they had two people die on the same night. And they knew the drug dealer, and they had just popped the drug dealer earlier, and he, and he of course, got out. All the things police are telling us about this. So it's just, it's just a mess. I mean, I, I will stay on top of it. I'm working on another one right now, and I've got two more lined up. I just get constant complaints from people about these drug houses flourishing. And you know, you know what it does to the neighborhood. I mean, mm-hmm. people are scared. Their kids can't play out in the yard. 
Uh, people get shot this way. The, mm-hmm. the last couple I've done, there are the homicide memorials right along the street, mm-hmm. right in front of the house because people die in these drug deals. So, and sometimes we hear of, you know, people will also call us and say, there's needles at the park where children are playing. And, you know, you can't even, you can't even trust that your child is playing on a playground, not only because of the violence that's surrounding no, Louisville, I, but because fact, of needles. I showed there. that. I showed that. I followed the, I was doing an uh, investigation of the mobile needle exchanges and the uh, one over by Wyandotte Park. Mm-hmm. And I followed all the users with their needles over to the park and filmed them all doing their heroin. And then they leave and all the picnic tables and the ground below, it, there were probably 14, 15 syringes right out there for the, in the park. How high or how low of a priority do you think that this issue is for both the courts and for police? Well, I think it's a lot lower right now with the homicide situation going on, right. you know, even though it's linked to homicides. Right. So, I mean, stay tuned. We'll see. All right. Well, that's John Bull with his investigations. Uh, thank you for doing those kinds of stories. Well, thank you Because very much. I could imagine, you know, there's people, so many good people that live in these neighborhoods and they feel trapped. Yeah. I get nice notes from the people because usually the conduct does change after they've been outed on TV. However, as we just pointed out, 311 North 27 just had another overdose death uh, right at the home. So we'll see about that. But I get nice notes from people. Um, and it makes my day because that's, that's what I'm here to do to try to help people out. Yeah. And I'm sure that you get the, Oh no, there's John. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But now I have bodyguards with me. All right. Well, thank you so much. Stay tuned. We'll have much more uh, in our series of podcasts about our investigations. So stay tuned. See you.